0: Welcome to Nomcast, where we take a deep dive into your food and splash around to see what we can find. I'm your host, Alice Saslavski. And today we're going to close the recipe books, shut the fridge, and step back from the pantry. Because this episode is dedicated to some of the truly amazing things we can do with plants and fungi other than eat them. Yes there are some really exciting things happening in the world of sustainable plant-based materials. And we're going to lift the lid to take a closer look. But as always, before we get into it, I wanna ask everyone to check to see if their brains are switched on and fully charged because there'll be a quiz at the end. Okay, so by now you probably know single-use plastic bags and non-biodegradable packaging are bad news for the environment. Plastic tends to take between 500 and 1,000 years to break down. So really, that plastic bag you used to carry home shopping three years ago is going to outlast us all by about 1,000 years. If we're not careful, some of that plastic might even end up in the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, a massive, swirling concentration of rubbish that floats in the middle of the ocean. It's three times bigger than France and sounds like the least fun place on earth to go on holiday. But it's not all bad news. Scary stories like these have caused a big shift in the way we think about rubbish. For example, Hobart just became the first Australian city to ban single-use plastic. That means no more disposable plastic containers, plastic lids, plastic straws or knives and forks. In New Zealand, they're about to phase out single-use plastics throughout the entire country. Even the people who make Lego blocks have announced they're going to make some products from plant-based plastic instead. But what even is plant-based plastic? Well, it's interesting to think about how the world's very first plastic was plant-based. Plastic just means something that can be easily moulded and shaped. The Olmecs of Mexico used naturally occurring plastics like sap from gum trees to create rubber balls around 3,500 years ago. Way before that, First Nations Australians were making glue from kangaroo poo. They'd grind up some wonderfully fibrous dry poo with some grass tree resin and charcoal from the fire. Then they'd warm it up, mould it into new shapes, and let it set. It's not too different from the way people make fibreglass today. Minus the poo. (laughs) In fact... It wasn't until the 1800s that Western science made plant-based plastics a worldwide phenomenon. And it caught on because people really just wanted to play billiards. If you don't know what billiards is, it's basically a game where you use a long stick to knock balls around a table until they land in different holes. A bit like pool. By the mid-1800s, it had become a really popular game. The problem was, the balls you needed to play billiards were carved from bits of ivory and ivory is made from elephant tusks. So you actually had to kill some poor elephant in Africa or India in order to knock these silly balls around a table. Piano makers had the same problem too, because the white keys you see on a piano were also made from ivory. It was an expensive and cruel way to make shiny white things. So a company in New York decided they'd offer $10,000, which is more than $300,000 in today's money, to anyone who could create a cheaper, more sustainable way to make billiard balls. In the end, an inventor named John Wesley Hyatt came up with a way to do it. He experimented with cotton to make a new synthetically blended substance, which replicated the weight and feel of billiard balls. By 1869, he'd perfected it. And not only that, he found he could get this cotton blended plastic to look like other natural substances like tortoiseshell and linen. Advertisers were so excited that they praised Hyatt's invention as the saviour of tortoises and elephants worldwide. Soon the whole world was really excited about this new substance and it really took off because it meant people didn't have to rely on their environment as much to make new things. Take linen, for example. It's a beautiful, soft, strong fabric that's made from a plant called flax. But flax only grows well in the cooler parts of the world after flooding. So before plastic, you had to ship linen a long way to be able to enjoy it. Now, you could make something similar in a lab. By 1907, a man called Leo Bakeland figured out you didn't even need a naturally growing fibre like cotton to make plastic. Instead, you could use oil. And this changed everything. Suddenly, you didn't need to grow anything to make new stuff. Instead, you could just pump oil out of the ground and use it to make products. The type of plastic Leo Bakeland created was called Bakelite. And just like Hyatt's invention, people started to think of it as a bit of a miracle substance. And compared to everything else at the time, it basically was magic. Bakelite was strong. It was heat-resistant and you could mould it into practically any shape. The best thing was, it was cheap to make. And if you check your granny's house, you'll probably find something that's still made from Bakelite. In Plastic, author Susan Frankel says, In product after product, market after market, plastics challenged traditional materials and won, taking the place of steel in cars, paper and glass in packaging, and wood in furniture. But by the 1960s, more and more people started realising that plastic maybe wasn't the miracle substance they'd first thought. For one thing, it sticks around forever. Then there's the chemical waste you get from manufacturing it. Finally, there's the oil problem. People were worried about the environmental cost of oil even before human-made climate change was talked about. Because if one oil tanker crashes in the ocean then the oil that spills will choke up all the wildlife in its path. Sometimes it can spread for thousands of kilometres in every direction. So people were worried. But by then, the world was already addicted. Plastic was so cheap, strong and useful that we just kept making more and more of it. About 8 billion kilos of plastic has been made so far, and most of it is stuck with us until we can figure out what to do with it. The good news is, the tide has turned. People now know we can't just keep taking oil out of the ground and turning it into new stuff. If we use natural fibres again, then at least the carbon from the oil stays in the ground. That's why more and more people are making plastic from things like cornstarch, vegetable fats, wood chips and food waste. These days, people call it bioplastic. And people are coming up with new ways to make it all the time. The Olmecs were some very early innovators of plastic with those sappy rubber balls. Today, there's a company in Mexico that aims to make billions of dollars by turning old avocado seeds into bioplastic. The founder got the idea when he realised that if you zoom in close enough, the tiny molecules that make up an avocado aren't too dissimilar from corn. People were already making tonnes of plastic from corn, so he thought, why not avocados? Mexico sure has plenty of them. So soon, if you visit Mexico and eat some guacamole, you might get some extra enjoyment from the idea that even the pip is going to good use. But it's important to remember too that it's unlikely that one single invention will win the war on plastic. Even bioplastic has its own set of problems. The fertilisers used to grow crops for the plastic can create toxic runoff into rivers. And sometimes people need the land used for plastic to grow actual food. After all. There's not much point having an environmentally-friendly takeaway container if you don't have any food to put into it. One of the best things about bioplastic is that it can be compostable. Only, it's not like throwing your banana peels and carrot skins in a big wormy bin in the backyard. You need to heat the bioplastic up until it's super hot to break it down. Right now, you need a big, expensive composting system in a waste facility to make that work. So scientists are working on new ways to make plastic truly biodegradable. 100 scientists from 18 countries recently published some research on ways that fungi could be used to break down plastic within weeks instead of years, which means mushrooms could be the next big weapon in waste management. They could be the next big leap in sustainable design too. Lego may be building little toy bricks from plant-based plastic But that's small stuff compared to the idea that we could soon be living in entire houses made from mushroom bricks. Yep. It turns out that scientists are making new materials out of fungus, rice and glass. It's a zero-carbon solution because these mushroom bricks are built using fungus and discarded bits of rice crops. They're also fire-resistant and have the potential to kill the termites that eat people's houses. If these termites eat certain mushroom products, it'll activate a fungal spore which kills the termite and turns it into a new little mushroom. This new mushroom attracts more termites and kills them too. So soon, people might not have to spray their whole house with toxic chemicals to deal with termites. Hi, I'm Jessica and I'm a termite. You can't see me right now, but I'm in a horrible pain. That's because I have a sizable mushroom growing out of my anus. Soon it will burst through my exoskeleton and crush my entire body. I am one of millions of termites affected by fungal pest control every day. Please give generously to the Fungus Butt Foundation to help eradicate fungal pesticides and provide fresh new timber so my family can thrive. Visit fungusbutt.com exoskeleton.com forward slash donate today and please give generously in the world of fashion more and more big stores are using recycled waste to make synthetic materials like polyester which means you could be wearing bits of old plastic bags and bottles right now and not even know it some designers from Iowa State University have even been experimenting with ways to make leather from kombucha instead of from cows. Who knows what will be the next world changing invention? But one thing is clear sustainable design is set to change everything, just like plastic did over 150 years ago. All right. Quiz time! Question one. In which country did they invent the first rubber ball? Question two. Around how many kilos of plastic have humans made so far? Is it A, 8 billion? B, 6.2 million? Or C, 8 billion? Question three. Which university is making leather from kombucha? Question four. List two benefits of using mushroom bricks to build a house. Question five. Who invented the first synthetic billiard ball? Question six. What was the first oil-based plastic called? Question seven. In which country are they about to ban single-use plastics entirely? Okay, that's all we have time for today. Make sure you check phenomenon.com.au for the quiz answers and for more deep dives from the Phenomenon Nomcast. Over and out! This podcast was brought to you by Hort Innovation using the Mushroom and Onion Research and Development Levies and funds from the Australian Government. For more information, visit horticulture.com.au. For more information on Phenomenon, check out phenomenon.com.au.